On this week's Dose, we have Landon Campbell, creator and host of In Their 20s, a podcast where he interviews the most influential people in the world about their 20s. He's featured some truly remarkable guests, including Steve Wozniak, Beto O'Rourke, and even Francis Suarez, the mayor of Miami. You may also know Landon from his work at Jason Calacanis' Inside, as well as his other podcast, Venturing in VC. Yeah, it was truly a pleasure having Landon on the show. He's such a great guy, and it's, it's incredible what he's done at the intersection of venture capital and media, and we're just excited to share his story. He actually just dropped a special 100th episode of In Their 20s, so big congrats to Landon, and be sure to check that out. Yeah, excited to tune into that one, and without further ado, here's Landon. Is he here, kid? This is Venture Pill with your hosts, Brandon and Sam. We're here to prescribe you your weekly dose of startups and venture capital to keep you informed in the evolving world of venture. All right. We welcome on Landon Campbell to the Venture Pill. Welcome to the show. Awesome. Exciting to be here, guys. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, from one podcaster to another, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, lots to learn from you. We're really excited to dive into your breadth of experience in the podcasting world, in the venture space. Super excited to see where the interview goes. I guess to start off, certainly how I came across you over Twitter and just online was through your podcast, In Their 20s. Mm-hmm. If you could just give the background there, how you started it and and where it's taking you today, and we'll We'll go from there. Yeah. So as you guys know, we're recording this on June 5th, a Sunday. Uh, my 100th episode is coming out tomorrow on the 6th. So I've been reflecting a lot wow, in the past wow. few weeks. And yeah. Congratulations. I mean, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, it's been a, quite the journey. And so kind of given some background on the show, um, I was graduating college um, during the pandemic, but I should actually say the beginning of the pandemic, if you guys remember those very scary days, um, you know, like the first week of the pandemic back when like... We didn't know what was happening tomorrow and this school was shutting down and, you know, this, all the jobs went remote. Um, so it was a very stressful time. I understand that, like, you know, we still have uh, pieces of that every day still. But um, back when, you know, we just didn't have the answers, I saw a lot of my friends losing their jobs. Um, I was confused on what I needed to be doing right now <laughs> during that time um, and ended up coming up with an idea to interview the most influential people about what they did when they were in their 20s, understanding that not everybody um, that we wanted to interview, you know, the Elons and the Oprahs and the Jeff Bezos, um, they didn't have to deal with a pandemic in their 20s, but most certainly they had to deal with some sort of sort of unexpectedness um, or, you know, uncertainty when they were our age, um, as everybody does, man. I mean, you know, we're always trying to figure it out. Um, doesn't matter how successful you are today. There's always a time in their lives, our lives, when we probably did not have the answers that we were looking for. Uh, so my best friend, Michael, and I, we created this show and we started super small with people in our network and it's expanded to feature people like Steve Wozniak and Jason Calacanis and David Sachs and, you know, a whole assortment of people. And 99 episodes later, um, it's been a, it's been a journey. It's wow. been a lot of fun and it's opened up a lot of doors for me. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great story. I mean, obviously the whole world was kind of confused at that moment in time. 
So for you to take initiative on a, on a podcast like this and see it through to 100 episodes, huge congrats, man. That's yeah. awesome. Sam and I are nearing episode number 20 and it's, you know, a proud moment. So I can only yep. imagine five times that. Of course, um, 80, 80 more. You but, guys are closer than you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the blink of an eye. Um, yes. But so quick follow-up question. You've, you've interviewed such a great catalog of guests on in their 20s. And I know it's hard to pick favorites, but who are some of your favorite or most notable guests that you've interviewed on the show? Yeah, so notable is different than favorite for sure, um, because I've interviewed <laughs> a lot of notable people. But, you know, I have my uh, favorites. Um, we'll, we'll start with the uh, the notable ones. Um, of course, like Beto O'Rourke coming on the podcast while he was running against Joe Biden. I think that did a lot for our show. Um, it helped people understand a little better, like what we were trying to create. And I say we, you know, my friend Michael and I. Um, their episode is literally called what was better or work doing in his 20s. Um, so of course, you know, when you launch something, whether it's a hobby or side hustle, um, you know, people are not going to take it serious originally. And that's completely fine. Um, because you need to people need to see that you take something serious before they take it serious. Um, and this was a time when a lot of people were launching podcasts. And, you know, fun statistic, I love to throw around 90% of podcasts quit after episode three. Um, so I knew that like, you know, I, I myself and Michael, we had to work extra hard to be consistent and continue to produce content. But yeah, Beto joined, I think on episode 17 and helped us get some notoriety. And I think people said, okay, I understand what these guys are trying to do. Um, you know, Steve Wozniak for episode 50, um, uh, you know, 50 is a milestone within itself. So I knew we had to go big for that one. Um, so that was a wonderful episode that a lot of people have grown to love. Jason Calacanis for episode 40, um, I work for Cal now. I use this podcast, podcast to leverage an opportunity to work with him. So that will always be like, you know, um, an episode that means a lot to me. And then I'd say uh, one of my most recent uh, notable slash favorite has to be Kat Cole. Um, she went from hostess in her early 20s to running the same company and then helped turn Cinnabon into a multi-billion dollar company. And now she's the CEO of Athletic Greens. Um, and what makes an interview, you know, what my favorite, if I can like remember exactly where the conversation went, um, if it's not your traditional path to success, um, those are always my favorites. And there's a lot of them. It's hard to count on my fingers how many uh, I love now. But, um, you know, we can break down into, into the specifics of a few of the examples I gave earlier. But, um, yeah, I'd say like those those four are my um, top favorites right now. Yeah. What a variety there. And yeah. it, it that variety interests me. And, and I wanted to ask you a little bit more about your specific interest in startups, venture capital, and how that manifested itself with the show in their 20s. And then how that kind of evolved when you joined Inside, starting working with, with Jason uh, and the Venturing in VC podcast. So if you could just explain your passion for startups and, and VC and how that blended in the podcast journey, that'd be cool. Yeah, I think it even starts uh, before my passion for startups. It goes back to my passion for storytelling. Um, so I have a big uh, background in theater. I was a director and actor, playwright, all of it um, back in high school and even way before that. And I've just been so intrigued with storytelling my whole life um, and obviously made the decision to leave theater behind and pursue other areas of interest going to college because I moved 2000 miles away from home and I didn't know anybody and I had no resume and I wanted to take the skills from theater and put them uh, to, you know, 
corporate communications as a startup life, et cetera. And storytelling still plays such a big part in that. Um, you know, to a founder today, if you have a great idea, that's amazing. But if you don't know how to communicate that, if you don't know how to build a story, it you're going to be left behind with getting three things. Because having a story helps you get customers, helps you get investment, and helps you get um, employees. Um, you need to have a captivating story to bring people in to work for you, to you know have people trust you to give them uh, you know give you money, um, and then also you know to build customers. Whatever your product or service is, I know a lot of great products and services, but the founders just don't know how to communicate it as they should. Um, and I think that's a common problem I see in the crypto space as well. A lot of these great ideas, um, but you're not going to onboard the you know tens of millions and even billions of people unless you can really break it down in a simple way um, and have a clear story. Um, so, you know, kind of going back to my background, I was able to take theater um, and put that towards these other areas of interest um, because I know storytelling is just plays such a heavy role in not just theater, not just service, but, you know, so much. Um, and when I look back of my, at my like adolescence as well, I was super interested in uh, biopics growing up. Those were like my favorite movies ever, um, movies <laughs> about other people. Because I just would love the story, you know, the journeys of like how Zuckerberg built the social um, or built Facebook in the social network or, you know, of course, the Jobs movies um, with Michael Fassbender playing Steve Jobs and even, you know, way from startup related movies like Ray from Ray Charles. I mean, those are um, some of my favorite movies. And I um, think I love that you like asked the question, like what kind of manifested that? Because I think the combination of me growing up just so close to Silicon Valley um, when I was younger, um, being exposed to a lot of these companies, and then also my deep love and passion for biopics, plus you know my ability to actually create stories through theater. I think uh, all of those kind of added up to you know find this very unique path for me in um, helping founders tell their stories today, um, and then helping share stories as well as I do on my two podcasts. Yeah, I thank you for sharing that. I think that's an awesome answer. And the power of a good story is not to be underestimated. Um, shifting gears here real quick, and I'm sure the vision is evolving, but what are some of your long-term goals with in their 20s and your career in general? Yeah, um, so it, it should be like clear to see that I'm very interested in venture and um, obviously you know, interested in pursuing this full-time. But it's difficult to answer the question, like, what do I see myself exactly doing? You know, even with all of this advice that I've gained through the podcast and the awesome rooms I've been able to step into, um, you know, I, I just, I still don't know. I'm still I'm just as unclear <laughs> about it um, as, you know, before I started the podcast. And I can't tell you exactly what I'll be doing in five to 10 years because I didn't even know I'd be doing what I'm doing today um, five to 10 years ago, <laughs> let alone maybe a year ago. Um, so I'm just a big believer in a few things. I'm a big believer in building the foundation. Um, so I see a lot of people, um, you know, creating funds super early. I think that's great. Uh, but that's not necessarily the path that I wanted to take, knowing that I don't have a traditional path into quote unquote breaking into venture. So I'm really focused on building the foundation, um, building my network, um, not just the quantity, but the quality of these relationships, um, learning more about venture as well. Like I've spoken to, at this point, I don't even know how many top VCs about their personal journeys and thesis. Um, so it's helping me kind of carve out, you know, my own vision for if I were to have a fund or if I were to join someone else's, the types of investments I'd want to make, the type of founders I'd want to invest in and the type of support I'd want to give. Um, and, uh, you know, just a cool thing. I spoke with Eric Bond from the Hustle Fund on my show a while ago, and 
he um, told me if he was starting a venture fund and it was 2021 when we spoke, uh, the first thing he would do is focus on getting 100,000 followers on Twitter. And that's an arbitrary number, but I think there's a lot of truth to that where if you have a following, if you have a base, if you have an audience or a community, that's access to deal flow. Um, that's a great method of distribution. Um, and you know that that's kind of what I'm building right now, just that foundation. But what I can also mention is something that's important to me and like one of my values is to show that anybody can do this. Anybody can create a top podcast. Anybody can break into VC. I hope that one day we don't even have to say break into VC. Um, and that's kind of like a big theme of yeah. my venturing in VC show, um, interviewing people who, not to knock on it, but I mean, maybe didn't have a traditional path in the venture. Um, and, you know, obviously there's great people who have gone the IB route and like more power to them. But um, I just knew like I wasn't doing that. And um, my journey to VC would have to be, um, yeah, it would be different. It would be unique. So my goal is to show that anybody can become a VC. So on Venturing in VC, I've interviewed people who have gone from actors to venture capital or journalists to VC, like a Jason Calacanis, or I just interviewed a Pejman uh, Nozad who went from selling rugs and carpets to VC. No operating experience, never worked at a tech company, didn't even graduate college. Um, and his, I think the collective um, value of his portfolio is, um, might have the number wrong, but over 9 billion. Pair VC is uh, one of the top wow. VC firms. Um, so my point is, um, I think that... Uh, there's there's so much value that investors can give to founders and you you don't need the traditional path as you would um, think. And um, the last thing I'll kind of include here, um, I'm giving a TED talk in August and that's like a big piece of um, the, um, the, my conversation on their platform is to show like growing up, we're told that like we have to do these certain things in order to become successful, in order to become happy, in order to find peace. Like you have to go to college or you have to hang around these people or you cannot make mistakes. And something that I've tried to show through both my podcasts and my own journey is I'm a big believer in picking and choosing what works for you, but you don't have to follow what somebody else did exactly. Um, everybody, Everybody's journey is unique in one way or another. And, um, you know, I show that through my interviews. Steve Wozniak did not care about money and he still became successful. Uh, Andy Dunn, who founded Bonobos, um, you know, had multiple panic attacks and found out that he was bipolar in his twenties and he still became successful. So what we might, and even the mayor of Miami who I interviewed, like he <laughs> joked around on my show, he had no aspirations, no plans at all in his twenties. And he's the mayor of a great city and um, one of the best mayors I'd argue um, yeah. in the U S. So my point is um, to close it out here. Everybody's path is different. Everybody's path and journey is unique. And um, I know we have imposter syndrome and we have like, you know, we see what this person's doing and that person's doing, but I'm just trying to show people that, you know, anything can be done, but it has to be on your own terms. Yeah. That's a great message. That's incredible. <laughs> that, that's awesome. And I'm sorry, I totally that was a lot. <laughs> I, mean, I, I resonate with so much of that. I mean, building that foundation is obviously whatever house you build on top of that, it all relies on the foundation. And part of Venture Pill's mission really is to get people involved in venture that wouldn't normally, you know, have an avenue to break into venture, which we now have said too many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
if I had a, if I had a dollar yeah. for every time I said that, I'd have my own fund by now. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's also that's awesome about the TED Talk. We'll be sure to tune in on that. That's yeah, that's incredible. You. Um, you briefly mentioned the Hustle Fund, and that's a good segue. We'd love to hear a little bit more about your work as an investor with the Hustle Fund. Maybe a brief breakdown for those who may not know about the Hustle Fund. And with that, what specifically is getting you excited in venture these days? Yeah. Um, so I'll repeat and say that this podcast has opened up so many doors for me. Um, if I were to say like, you know, I knew I wanted to break into VC before in their 20s, I mean, that would just be a flat out lie. And I, I know now I have a clearer vision of like, you know, what I want to do and where this podcast is taking me. But I, I mean, so many doors have opened uh, within their 20s that, you know, I could have never imagined. And one of them is the unique um, um, trend where I've, I'm able to speak with so many founders um, and also I have access to so many investors um, so much that I ended up creating another podcast um, where I mean, it's just something that happened. I mean, you know, a lot of um, founders love tuning into my show. A lot of angel investors love tuning into my show. A lot of investors love listening in um, because there's such a unique thing that happens during that defining decade, you know, talking about the twenties where you can really understand, you know, the value someone has or kind of, Oh, that's why they ended up building this or that's why they're doing that now. Um, so unintentionally or not, I mean, that just kind of happened with the show. Um, and yeah, on the subject of that, it just, this podcast and venturing in VC and now my overall brand working for Jason, I've just been a great source of deal flow. A lot of founders reach out to me to either come on the show uh, which is great because I get to sit with them and ask the questions that an investor would ask, ask questions that I want to hear answers to, um, see what they're telling the truth about, see what they're um, screaming bullshit about, um, and you know, <laughs> learn more about their markets, et cetera. And even if I don't understand um, exactly how biotech works or understand how this industry or sector works, um, the podcast is a nice place to ask those stupid questions. So I've, be I've become very good at like just asking questions, I think I should say. Um, and, um, hearing, you know, the founders stories, et cetera. And, um, because, you know, I work with so many investors now, um, I've just been, um, really good at connecting the dots, you know, like helping founders find the right investors for them because there are so many investors out there and it's a really big decision to make. And then on the other end, um, you know, a lot of the investors that I talk to daily at this point now, um, if I know a founder of building in a domain that they like to invest in, I can say, oh yeah, let me make the intro there. Um, so what happened with the Hustle Fund is um, pretty much, uh, it was the it was the first, I'd say one of the first uh, firms that started to see that. And um, you know, I, I saw a really clear path to work with them as well. The Hustle Fund, I, I've had, um, I had uh, three members on the Hustle Fund team on my show. I just mentioned Eric Bond, who uh, was one of the co-founders, and then Elizabeth Yin and Haley Bryan. Um, Elizabeth is another co-founder of the Hustle Fund, and they invest in software-enabled startups, um, early, early stage, um, way before product market fit, um, in a few different um, sectors. Um, and you know, I remember talking to Haley early, who um, she was the last of the um, three that I interviewed, and she told me about this uh, syndicate that they have, the Hustle Fund Angel Squad, um, where it's a great opportunity for anybody, anybody tuning in right now can join the angel squad um, to learn about angel investing, um, begin to build a track record, invest alongside uh, the hustle fund. Uh, but then my favorite part of it is uh, send them deal flow. 
Um, so gives me an opportunity to kind of, you know, just tap into my network and I already have like so many people pitching me a day, um, you know, hoping for intros or connections. And now I have a firm officially that, you know, I help, you know, work with, um, where I can send them deal flow, um, after vetting it myself and seeing if it's the right fit for them. So I'm still like very early in my, um, you know, career, obviously. I mean, I still have to prove a lot and still want to continue to build my track record, but I think that this is a great, um, start and, it'd be a great start for anybody as well. Um, just going back to anybody can do this, find syndicates that you can join. Um, or if you already have an audience and a platform where you're receiving a lot of deal flow, um, understand that that's something that would be of great value to a lot of these firms. And Jason spoke a lot about this when I interviewed him on my show. Before you have the job, you need to do the work. And that's like the famous J. Cal um, kind of statement there, do the work. And I'm really starting to understand that clearly now where I may not have an official job at a firm, um, but I'm living like I do. And, you know, I'm doing the work as I am. And um, I think that it's really important if you want to stand out, um, if you want to build authentic connections, if you want to really show people that you can deliver value, just do it. You know, Um, I think too much time is spent applying and sourcing for opportunities here or there or talking about doing something when you could just start, you could just start and do it. And sure, maybe you're not going to get paid a bunch uh, when you first start um, up front, but that was the same mentality I had when I started the podcast. You know, we have a bunch of sponsors now, but I knew that we wouldn't have sponsors for day one and we have to build this platform and build the foundation before sponsors started coming to us with a a little more ease. So do, do the work before you have the job is really, really important. And I think that that mentality can be spread to so many different um, areas of, you know, study or whatever yeah. you do in life. And even my podcast, I, I treated my podcast like we had a million downloads, like, you know, around episode one and two, like before we had any listens. And <laughs> I think that goes back to what I mentioned earlier, like you got to believe in what you do before other people believe in you. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, do the work before you have the job. I love that. I hadn't heard that put that exact way, but I think it also ties nicely back into what you were saying earlier about sort of the oddball path. Uh, I don't. I know you didn't use those words, but I had a venture capitalist tell me about the oddball path, which is the unconventional path into venture, right? Not investment yes. banking, like you were saying, or consulting, or even you know starting a company. And I think it all kind of blends together in this path that if you do the work before you have the job, that is part of the oddball path. You start to build a network, you start providing value before you're getting anything in return. That's kind of a way through the back door. And, and that's kind of how the venture world works is you're, you're starting to learn as you, as we can see. And I think Brandon and I are learning as well as we build this brand and get into venture ourselves. So do the work that. before we have the job. Love, love that a lot. Yeah. yeah send that great. to me that's later. I'm message. so curious about that. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he's a Chicago uh, VC <laughs> as well. So it can connect you there. But that we did have a question, though, about kind of the Chicago venture scene. I wanted to get into a little bit before we wrap up the show. You went out uh, to Chicago after growing up in the Bay Area, you said, and and went to DePaul and and you're still there. What's the venture scene like there being, you know, not on either coast or in what most people would think of as a booming tech hub? Yeah, I think the first word that comes to mind is disregarded, um, and I love that for it. Um, I think that a lot of the focus goes on the Silicon Valleys and the 
Miami's now and the New Yorks and a lot of these other uh, startup ecosystems and not a lot of attention, go- attention goes to Chicago. Um, but I think that grit and kind of the, uh, you know, just being pushed to the side for so long um, has really like just manifested itself within the city. And a lot of founders, a lot of VCs feel that. And it's not like a thing where like, oh, we need to prove ourselves, but it's a thing like, okay, like if people don't want to pay attention to us, um, you know, let's do things um, so that they're forced to. Um, so a lot of great companies have yeah. been built out of Chicago, the Groupons, you know, Cameo, where I had an opportunity to work, Tempest. Um, a lot of great firms are located here too. Um, Vitalize, uh, Gail Wilkinson's, um, she owns Vitalize. Mm-hmm. And Starting Line um, from Ezra Galston and Chicago Ventures. There are so many great um, firms out here. Um, but again, you know, I think that a lot of uh, attention just goes to the both coasts and, you know, uh, that's why Chicago has been called the city on broad shoulders. You know, like we, we're going to take care of our work and we're going to give you the the wonderful uh, Midwest hospitality as well. Like we're not going to be assholes. And yeah. We're welcoming. Um, like I want to see more people come to Chicago, but uh, more important to that than that, I'm focused on, you know, like who's here and um, seeing, uh, making sure that Chicagoans have all the resources they need. Um, so I've been hosting a lot of networking events myself and uh, attending a lot of other great ones. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of um, Chicagoans that are involved in the tech community, like they want that. Um, so, you know, we, we've seen like recent growth. You know, I know FTX just built um, their HQ here and, um, you know, seeing unicorns like Cameo rise from nothing. Um, and which is, it's, Cameo is pretty funny because, you know, they deal with so many celebrities. And I know that uh, Steven, their CEO, was told to build this in LA. And, you know, why are you not building this in LA or even New York? And, you know, um, he wanted to build this in Chicago. And I'm glad that he did because, you see all the attention that Chicago got from, um, you know, a company like Cameo um, and Groupon. You can still walk past their HQ here. Um, so there are a lot of great companies here. Um, and, you know, Chicago is going to continue to get pushed to the side. But I think, uh, you know, you just got to continue to prove people wrong. Um, and that's something that I'm really focused on doing here. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are focused on here. Yeah, that that Chicago grit is no joke. <laughs> um, you know, I'm 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 not even from Chicago, but it's it's very palpable with with my Chicago friends, totally. including Sam right here. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Chicago strong baby. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So one thing we like to ask our guests is just one or a couple startups that you've had your eyes on, maybe outside of your podcast, outside of your work with Jason, or not, you know, inside of those as well, but. Just a couple startups off the grid that you'd like us to, you know, that, that you find interesting. Yeah. Um, so it's a new one every week at this point. Um, so I'll just talk about maybe one of the more recent conversations I've had. Um, I had a conversation with the uh, CEO and co-founder of Workweek, and uh, he's building pretty much a, uh, you know, this new age media company um, where, you know, we see a lot of the legacy media companies, you know, the CNNs, the Disney, even, um, and mm. Just kind of um, his approach is it's different because it kind of flips the script. So they're putting more attention on the content creator, the influencer, um, and helping them build brands around them. Um, so I feel like that's something that hasn't really been done in the media space um, as often as you know I would have hoped for. Because I tend to you know listen more to the the individuals, the curators, the creators. Um, we see the numbers that Joe Rogan's doing compared to a lot of these you know big legacy media companies. I think it's because um, for so long, you know, a lot of these legacy media companies, the large, large conglomerates, they've been kind of like hiding their intentions and 
I think the creators, the individuals, you know, while, while they still have opinions to share and they still have, you know, unique perspectives, I feel like they're a little more genuine in how they share their information um, in two ways and saying that, like, you know, they don't know everything, but they want to house, you know, interviews or they want to, um, you know, have people on their platforms who can share additional information on certain things or, um if they do, you know, have a certain opinion on something, like it's more clear, like we know that, um, what they stand for, et cetera. And there are a lot of content creators you can follow. If you don't like one, you can follow the next one. But I think a lot of these legacy media companies, they've just become so powerful and they mask their true intentions. And that's where a lot of people get manipulated, et cetera. So yeah, Workweek is interesting. They really see the power of the, uh, the content creator, the influencer, the individual. Um, so they give support to that individual. Um, so whether you're a podcaster, you need people editing your stuff, or you need uh, help finding guests, you can focus on what's important to you, which is creating the content or a newsletter writer. They help with distribution, et cetera. And their plan is, you know, let's say like you guys worked with uh, Workweek. Um, eventually, you know, VenturePill can be an entire brand where you guys can build products on top of VenturePill, classes, courses, et cetera. And Workweek would be able to assist with a lot of that. So you guys could really focus on delivering the content, creating the content. Um, so yeah, I think that, uh, you know, this, this could be a whole nother conversation about, um, you know, the content creator, but when I look at the future of venture, I think that, uh, content creators can, uh, really shake up the space, um, because it goes back to what we said, you yeah. know, about distribution audience, um, deal flow. And I've been interviewing like a lot of, um, you know, celebrities launching funds and creators launching funds. Like I just had Chantel Jeffries on my show and, She's a huge model and influencer, and it's it's cool to see a lot of these um, notable people um, launching venture funds because, um, you know, that, that's just great assistance, you know, for founders, you know, if you're able to already have a platform that you can tap into. Serena Williams is another one, you know, she has Serena Ventures, and that's one I've been following closely. Um, so I, I'd pay close attention to that trend of uh, influencers, creators, um, curators, building these massive platforms. Um, and then finding ways to diversify uh, their assets. And one of them is going to be uh, more of them creating funds. Yeah, we love uh, Workweek. We're, we're friends with Sully. I, I think you oh, nice. connected yeah, yeah. with him before. Uh, we want to get him on the show and, and Adam. That'd be a great episode. He's, he's a great guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. But this blend of media and VC is something we've covered in plenty of episodes, too. And we're trying to keep a close pulse on, too. And totally. what Sully has told us is he's he's kind of getting to do the community management part as well as the venture fund. So they have a small fund themselves work yep. week too, which is kind of an interesting angle. Did you get to ask Adam about that at all? Um, during our interview. So I've spoke with Soli about the fund a lot. Um, and we talk like um, pretty often, but yeah, we, we didn't talk uh, necessarily about the venture um, side of it, but we did talk about like the future of media and, you know, what he wants his company yeah. to turn into and like what got him into the space. And of course his twenties, you know, the, journey to get to where he is today. But yeah, that was that was a good interview and, um, you know, great founder um, and great startup that I've been following. Uh, there are so many, um, though, so it's kind of hard to yeah. pick my favorites. But um, yeah, I kind of just think about the most recent ones. And yeah, the Workweek conversation for episode 99 this past week, was it was a really good one. Yeah. And we, we've definitely covered a bunch of companies that are connecting content creators with their specific audiences to have, you know, that direct reign over yes. the message that they put out. Everything from comic books to musical artists 
and everything in between. It's, it's athletes, pretty, yeah. yeah, athletes. It's, it's really fascinating to see yeah. this rise of content creators being able to directly interact and engage with their audience. I agree. And I think it's only um, a, a good nudge to traditional VC is that, um, you know, they need to find uh, more unique ways to provide more value. Um, you know, this is a services mm-hmm. based in, um, industry. And, you know, if, if I'm a founder, um, I think traditionally, you know, I'd probably want to work with someone who had, you know, operating experience and maybe worked at like one of the large companies, but now founders have so many opportunities to maybe, uh, you know, get investment from someone who has close to, um, you know, five, five million plus followers, uh, that could be good access to get your product out there. So I think, yeah, VCs are constantly looking for new ways to provide additional value um, to founders. It's no longer just deploying capital. It has to be more than that. Definitely. Um, well, Landon, it's been a great show. We want to ask you one kind of uh, leaving question here. And for the pilgrims out there, that's what we call our listeners, the venture pilgrims. Uh, for all the trusty pilgrims out there, what advice would you give to them, whether they're young in high school or college or even older and wanting to get into venture, whether it's on the startup side or the investing side, what advice would you give to them? We touched on some points, but how would you how would you sum it up? Wow. Um, okay. Big question. Can I give three? <laughs> Two or three? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd say the top one is uh, don't fear failure. Um, and I know no one wants to fail. Failing sucks. Um, I still obviously, I mean, no one wants to fail. I'm not saying like go out and just fail, but don't fear it. Um, so if you, um, you know, if you try something out and it doesn't work, um, you know, don't beat yourself up for it. just know that, um, you got good things out of that experience and, um, keep building. Um, I'd say the second is, uh, really like find, um, find your voice, uh, find and create, start to create your story as well. Um, kind of full circling it back to the beginning. Like it's really important to build your brand. It's um, really important to like find, you know, the unique offering that you want to give the world. And I knew that I was very interested in these three things like podcasting, venture and media, and maybe even for professional development. Um, so I was really focused on, you know, those uh, three to four things to where, um, you know, I was able to find good synergy between them. And now like, I feel like I'm one of maybe one individuals who, you know, can, um, has a unique perspective on those three to four things combined. So I think a lot of times everybody's looking for like, they want to be the top 1% of one thing, but maybe consider being the top 20 or 30% of like two to three things. And then eventually, um, you know, you can find unique ways to combine those things. So I think that that's also called being a deep generalist um, where you kind of hear like the master of one versus the jack of all trades. A deep generalist just means you're able to combine like two or three areas of interest um, in a unique way. And then maybe you might be the only one, uh, who has a unique perspective on, um, you know, those two to three things combined. So I'd say those are like the two to three pieces of advice I'd give. Don't fear failure, um, find your voice and start to build your story. Awesome. Yeah. That's a great way to wrap up this dose. Uh, we really appreciate it, Landon. Lots of wisdom in there. Um, I hope <laughs> lot to unpack, but yeah, jam packed with yeah. stuff. So we hope to, we hope that this is just the first of many for uh, interviews on VenturePill with you. Uh, we'll, we'll be excited to check in and totally. And yeah, again, appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks, fellas. This was a lot just, of fun. Just one more thing, just to give yourself a quick plug here. What's the best way for people to follow you, connect with you, engage with you? Your podcast we've mentioned, but you know, give give yourself a, a big plug here. 
Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, so I'm Landon Twenty. Says that's L A N D O N two zero S on Instagram and Twitter. Um, funny, like four days ago, someone made a fake Instagram um, of me, oh, and they've been messaging all these people about some crypto shit, and they blocked me, <laughs> so I can't even see it. So annoying. Damn. Um, but well, that's when you case, know you made it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but in case you run across <laughs> that page, I am not. I'm not N O T Landon dot twenties. It's just Landon twenties. Um, and that was probably my mistake. I should have gotten all the similar ones because they're just, yeah, crazy people out there <laughs> yeah. have way too much time on their hands. But yeah, Landon20S, no space, no period on Instagram and Twitter. And then, um, yeah, my DMs are usually fairly open. And if I DM you asking about crypto, that's more than likely not me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And we'll we'll link your shows uh, in your and your profiles there in the show notes. But thanks, uh, guys. Awesome episode. Thanks for thanks for coming on the pill. Of course. Man, we, we really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. I'm Sam. I'm Brandon. And this is Venture Pill. Join us next week for another dose of startups and venture capital. And as always, we appreciate our pilgrims spreading the word about the show. Share with your friends and help someone else make the pilgrimage. Signing off. She told me that she only bumps my music when she's lonely. Thinks my vibe's a little low-key, okie-dokie, that's alright, but wait, I don't know how to do.